I want to welcome everyone to Friday Goodness on this fantastic Friday. Friday Goodness is part of St. Benedict the African's Parishes On Time Guide online series, where we are exploring the goodness in our neighborhood, highlighting businesses and organizations in our community. I'm Susan Rashad, and today we are welcoming our guest, my tap instructor, Bill Brill Barrett. Welcome, Brill. Yay! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Brill Barrett, I have to, I have to give a proper introduction, even though this is going to be a very annotated biography because he has accomplished so much. But Brill Barrett is a dedicated tap dancer whose mission is to preserve and promote tap dance as a percussive art form, foster respect for the dance and admiration for the history and culture of tap. Brill is the founder of Mad Rhythms, Mad, M-A-D-D, Making a Difference Dancing, director of the Chicago Tap Summit and founder of the Mad Rhythms Tap Academy of which I am a student and also Brenda Starwoods is a student. Yeah, we're repping today with our shirts on. Okay. <laughs> and his, he has performed, his performances have included Riverdance, The Tap Dance Kid, Imagine Tap, which I think I missed only two of the performances during that entire run because my daughter was just mesmerized and the Kennedy Center, the Democratic National Convention, and many, many others. Television appearances include the Oprah Winfrey Show, Steve Harvey Show, NBC's Someone You Should Know, ABC's Windy City Live. Brill has taught and or performed all over the world. He was named a Chicagoan of the Year and has his very own TED Talk. Brill has started many outreach programs in the Chicago Public Schools, Park District, and even a performing arts high school in Gary, Indiana. He has run an after-school matters tap program for more than 10 years. As a taptivist, you must have made up that word, Brill. I love that. I love it. Who represents the dance. And Brill fosters a novice to professional pipeline at Mad Rhythms, headquartered right at our Harold Washington Cultural Center at 47th and King Drive in Chicago's Browns, Bronzeville neighborhood. Brill is making a difference dancing. Welcome, Brill. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I am we are so glad here. to have you. And um, Susan, I, I'm gonna have to hire you for, to introduce me on the road and stuff. You know, I like that. That was cool. I, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know first how you got started in dance, and then how you decided to bring that history to each of your classes. Okay. Um, so first and foremost, I got started in dance on the west side of Chicago at a place called the Better Boys Foundation in the uh, North Lawndale community. Um, suffice to say, living on the west side, well, let me let me go back a little bit. My grandmother wanted to be an entertainer, but her life didn't allow it. She came up from Arkansas. She met my grandfather who was from Shreveport, Louisiana. 
they got together and arts and dancing wasn't in the cards. So she said, well, I'm gonna put my children in, 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 in entertainment, performing arts. And she put her children into performing arts and put them in dance schools and piano classes and music classes and all that stuff. But none of them stuck with it either. So then she was like, okay, my grandchildren, somebody's gonna be in entertainment. So I, I really have uh, Albertina Barrett, my grandmother, to thank for the fact that she was convinced that somebody in her family and her offspring or her offspring's offspring was going to be in entertainment. And so she she stayed on my mom and my aunt and my uncle to put all their kids in dance school. So me and my cousins all came up going to between, we started at the Sammy Guy School of Theater. Um, which was at that time was downtown on 24th of Michigan. Um, I went there for like a year. Uh, and then I went to the Better Voice Foundation, which was a local community neighborhood center. So that's why I, I understand the importance of neighborhood community centers, because that place for us coming up on the west side uh, in an undersourced, underprivileged community, not a lot of uh, disposable income, if you know what I mean. Um, that place and having not to pay, having, you know, didn't have it to pay was beautiful because we went there, they had sports, they had homework help, um, they had uh, the Lamont Zeno Theater, which was a performing arts wing of the place. So I went there, one of my cousins went upstairs, they got involved in academics, the other cousin got into sports and I went to the theater. And over there I was exposed to all these different aspects. Um, uh, we have vocal classes, drama classes, all different types of dance classes um, and the cool thing was we would have to rotate so whenever we did a show if we were in the show we were this thing the next show we have to be on crew and if you're on crew you have to be in lights the next show you have to work on set design so i learned the end the full like complete ins and outs of producing a show at a community center in my neighborhood so i will never forget that um, but when i could tap that was the thing that out of everything I was doing, it stuck with me the most. And so I, um, I, 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 from the moment I put on tap shoes, I knew it's something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I didn't know what that meant or how I was gonna do it, but I knew I wanted to do it. So I just kept going. Uh, I kept going to classes. At one point, my teacher, Mr. Carlton Smith, moved to the North Side. He left the Better Voice Foundation. So I told my mom, we gotta go where he go. So we followed him. So that started my journeys to the north side every weekend. So I was also learning about my city um, by going to tap classes all over the city. So I was born and raised on the west side, I went to school on the south side, I went to tap classes on the north side. So this was kind of my, my early uh, learning that the city was bigger than my neighborhood and being exposed to different neighborhoods and different people and different everything. Uh, that teacher was cool to the point that when we couldn't afford classes, he only charged me $5 a class which doesn't sound like a lot to most people, but sometimes we had to pay with a bag of pennies. We had to pay with a bag of um, and, he, and he accepted that bag of pennies. So, you know, much love and respect to Carlton Smith for believing in me and, and allowing a young person to do whatever. Uh-oh, somehow you got muted, uh, Brill. Can you hear me? Now yeah. we can hear you. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I have a Bluetooth mic that I use when I teach, and it's in my bag over in the corner, and it just connected. Oh. All of a sudden, the Bluetooth was like, oh, you on Zoom? That means it's our time. <laughs> um, and I had to tell it, no, not yet. So um, I don't know what's the last thing you all heard, but but um, 
Suffice to say, I wanted to become a famous tap dancer to the point that I used to tell my mom, yo, if I'm not a famous tap dancer by the time I'm 18, I'm gonna quit. And then I was like, well, mm -hmm. if I'm not a famous tap dancer by the time I'm 21, then I'm gonna quit. And this went on for pretty much every year <laughs> of my life. Um, and then at some point, so I toured, uh, I toured with the tap dance kid, I toured in Riverdance. Um, I toured in a lot of different productions. I started teaching. Um, but whenever I would leave Chicago and come back home, like off a tour, it was like starting over again. I would have to call, I would have to, you know, try to get teaching jobs. And I was like, I don't like that starting over feeling. Um, and then at one point I was on the road, my mom called me and was like, your little brother is starting to run with the, you know, hang with the wrong crowd. He didn't come in on time last night. He's not listening to me, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay, I need to put my brother under my wings to keep him out of trouble. So Mad Rhythms was unofficially born as a volunteer program where I took my brother and a couple of other young black boys that were in my classes at the Sammy Dye School of Theater where I was teaching. And I started working with them on Saturdays on the weekend. And it was just a thing where I came in the room and we worked out and we talked. And it was my way of giving back to young black boys who were in a situation that was similar to what I was in in my community when I was growing up. So that... Um, we did that for a little while. And then my little sister, Star Dixon, uh, was like, how come it got to be all boys? Exactly. And I was like, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and so she joined. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, I was uh, at the time I had gotten a job teaching for a program called Dancing in the Parks, which was ran by a woman named at that time. Her name was Shirley McWhorter. And then she changed her name to Ife McWhorter. And she got promoted to uh, a, di a director of the South Shore Culture Center. And she said, hey, I'm over here. You've been doing the dancing in the parks programs. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I've been you know, working with some young folks. I think I want to start a company. And so she said, well, you know what? You can come here and be an arts partner. And uh, you teach classes to the community in exchange for having space to run your company. And I was like, cool. So I went there in January of 2001, officially started Mad Rhythms. We did our first show in 2001. And uh, we started in January. We did our first show in February of 2001. I was excited. Wow. And, I, yeah. and I loved it so much that I was like, we should do a second show. And we did our second show in September of 2001. I think that was the 10th or September 11th. Whatever that weekend, y'all know what happened in September 11th. Mm -mm. So that show went off the rails. We barely had anybody show up. And then I was like, okay we're not going to do two shows a year ever again. But I had the bug. We had the company going. We had the performances. Ife McWhorter then came to me and said, by this time, I just called her Mama Ife. She said, okay, you got your, you did, you got your company started. You're doing your shows. What's next? I said, well, people have been coming to the shows and now they want to take classes. So I want to start a school. So that's when the Mad Rhythms Tap Academy was born. So we got that going. We started doing classes on Saturdays. That started to grow. Ife McWhorter came to me and said, okay, now that's going, what you want to do next? So <laughs> I, I, just, I say this to say the importance of having a mentor and someone who can constantly push and challenge you and encourage you to grow because these are things I wanted, but I didn't know I wanted them right then <laughs> until she said it. So the last thing she said was, now you got people wanting to know about you from, they're coming from all over the city. Uh, what's next? 
So then we started the Chicago Tap Summit, which was our annual tap festival, where people started coming in from different cities and states and eventually different countries to study with us. And that's kind of the, that's my rhythms. Um, and I will say the second part of your question, Susan, <clears throat> was that the whole time I was starting a professional company, I wanted to always stay connected to my community because I understood the importance of what tap dance had done for me and what it allowed me to turn around and then do for my community. So that had to be a focal point. So that's why we named the company MAD as in making a difference dancing rhythms so that even in the title, our, our mission to stay connected and work and make a difference in our community was always going to be front and center. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you, my, my children started at South Shore at the TAP Academy mm -hmm. and the parents, we who were there watching them and waiting for them to get finished, you know, it was like they took so long to get ready after class. We were like, we could be halfway through the class. So we all the parents joined the next class. <laughs> and that was so much fun. Uh -huh. And Imagine Tap was just enchanted. We went, we must have went to 10 performances. Wow. We were there every, almost every performance. But uh, one thing that really impressed me during our class was the history that you taught in every class about the hoofers that came before us. And I've always been a tap fan, even though I couldn't tap. And from way back, I love it. But of course, I really only knew, you know, those few people, Bo Bojangles, Fred Astaire, you know, mm -hmm. Shirley Temple, you know, those mm -hmm. few people. And, you know, Ginger Rogers, not that many. And it definitely, I didn't know anything about any of the Black women hoofers. So I was so happy to learn about them in the class. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you structured that into your classes? Yeah, well, the more I danced, the more I fell in love with the art form. And like anything, when you fall in love with something, you go all in. So um, I, I give credit to Mr. Taps, who was my third instructor, who used to do footage night at his house. And, I did, and he just said, you know, y'all, oh, this was a guy, by the way, I street performed with. That was my, my years street performing in the subway with a guy that I met in the subway. He was tap dancing, I could tap dance. And I was like, hey, I wanna make some money. So he started having footage Friday. We would go to his house and he would show us some tap footage that he had gathered from his favorite movies. It was the first place I saw the Nicholas Brothers. It was the first place I saw the Four Step Brothers. And I was like, wait, I thought I was in love with this art form. And then I see this. Um, because before then, Channel 7 used to run a, 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 a um, um, Fred Astaire marathon. Yeah. And they would show a different Fred Astaire movie every night. And I remember that was the only time I'd ever seen Tap on TV so I would stay up late. I used to sneak and watch it. My mom, you know, she knew what I was doing, but she also knew that it was good for me. So she kind of got on me about it, but not really. Um, but I used to sneak and stay up late to watch these Fred Astaire movies every night. And I remember then I wanted to be like Fred Astaire because he was so smooth. He was, you know, he was the man and every movie he was in, you know, he was dressed to the nines. He was smooth on the floor and he got the girl at the end. So I was like, oh, that's my life. That's the life. <laughs> I want. But I also recognized later on that I never wanted to dance like him, like rhythmically. That didn't impress me. 
as much as the aesthetic of what he represented. But then when I saw the Nicholas brothers, I was floored. I was like, oh, now this I want to do. So immediately me and my cousin started like acting like the Nicholas brothers. We started stealing their routines and doing them on stage. And people thought it was the best thing ever in tap shoes. And I'm like, they think we created all of this. <laughs> so at that time I was young and I was like, well, I'm not going to tell them that we stole all this from the Nicholas brothers. Um, and then the four step brothers. So this is when I got introduced to start getting introduced to history. So as I got older, I started teaching us at what's called tap festivals. And I would go to these festivals and luckily a lot of the, the, the legends were still alive. And so I got to meet Dr. Jimmy Slide. Matter of fact, I, I used to meet and see Dr. Jimmy Slide every year. I got to meet Dr. Leonard Reed. I got to meet Dr. Jenny Lagon. I got to meet like all of these like Cook and Brownie and, and uh, uh, Charles Cookie Cook and Ernest Brownie Brown. And they were from Chicago, I come to find out later on. So the more I'm finding out about this history, the more that I'm like, how come I wasn't taught this? That question start coming in. So then I started trying to teach about it. And, and a couple of things that started coming into fold was, I understood as a black man in America that due to racism and due to Hollywood cutting out tap scenes in the movies when they showed them down South and, and all these different things that I had, that, that this beautiful history of my ancestors and this art form wasn't being taught. So kids didn't know it. So I started trying to teach it. As a black man, I'm like, y'all gonna learn about these black men. And then I started seeing, and then when I would ask anybody to name a female tap dancer, they could name anybody. If they could name women, they could name Hollywood women. And that's, Susan, you said it. Ginger Rogers, Eleanor Powell, um, who else you got? Um, Shirley Temple. Shirley, everybody, yeah. And Shirley Temple was the one that made me really realize the extent of, of, of how racism fed forward because people would say, oh yeah, Shirley Temple. Yeah. And I said, well, who was that guy she danced with? Oh, I don't know. Right. And I'm like, that's Bojangles. That was her teacher. That was the man who taught her. How do you not know? So I started taking on the mantle of educating not only the steps, but also the culture and the history and all of these people that if we don't remember them might go unnamed or un unremembered. Um, and, I and so that took me down in history. And then when I started finding out about these black women, I said, wait a minute. It was almost like somebody was hiding it from me. And I was like, wait, this is not right. That's right. This is not right. So I'm like, so as much as I, as, as a black man, made it my point to teach about the black men, then I started realizing that there was an entire, and I mean entire, like thousands of black women who were the early pioneers of the art form of tap and nobody knew they existed. Because if you think about what racism perpetrates and then you think about what sexism perpetrates and then you put those two things together, black women were at the bottom of the totem pole. Nobody taught about these, these pioneers, nobody you know, shared their stories. And so I made that, that became my like second driving point where as I shared a history, fully, we got to include these women. So that's when Dr. Jenny Lagon, and that's when there was a group I used to watch um, called the Miller Brothers and Lois. And I always assumed that Lois was their sister. And I would watch this footage and come to find out 
from another female tap dancer uh, who's one of my, uh, you know, of, of my generation. She did a whole thing where she talked about women in tap and she talked about Lois Bright. And I'm like, how come I've never heard about Lois Bright? And then come and then I realized through researching and studying, Lois Bright was the lowest that was with the Miller brothers and Lois, but that she came about a time when saying the woman's whole name wasn't important, you know. So mm-hmm. that history of 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 um, the silver bells, which were the women that held down the Apollo, like don't nobody knows about them. Um, that really got me into sharing the history. And then specifically now, as you see in Mama Brenda and Mama Susan's shirts, really sharing the history about these women and the greatness that they provided because without them, again, TAP wouldn't be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I want you all to know that this is the class shirt. This is not just some other shirt to have on. This is the class shirt. Oh yeah. So that's... uh. That's Harriet Quicksand Brown, female sand dancer. Dr. Jenny Lagon, that's Lois Bright. Who's under Bright? Cora Lared. Cora Lared. And Mabel and Lee. Mabel Lee. Yeah, and Mabel Lee just mm-hmm. left us a few years ago. So these are these are women who, like, a lot of people might know the Sandman, especially because he ended up on Apollo, you know, uh, on the Apollo getting amateurs off the stage. But a lot of people don't know about Harriet Brown, who was a female sand dancer. So that's my, that's just, so that's where Taptivists came. I was like, well, I love tap, but everywhere I go, I feel like I have to fight. I have to fight for the credit to be given to those people who made the art form possible. So that's the activist in me. So I'm a Taptivist. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And I love, I love that every week when we go to class, it's a real class and we are asked questions and get homework to research these tap dancers. Mm-hmm. And Jenny Lagon, Dr. Jenny Lagon, was born right mm-hmm. here in Chicago and went to Inglewood High School. Mm-hmm. She died recently in 2012. Mm-hmm. And for her to have accomplished so much and then you just, you know, just disappear. And it's so um, wonderful that you are bringing these dancers to the fore even if it is just through your classes, we're still waiting on that book reel. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it's, it makes, and even the, the other, the younger, the children in the uh-huh. classes get the same thing. And it uh-huh. sends them to do research and see what you can find online. And now with the internet, of course, you know, so many things are so much more accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you are looking to find it, really appreciate that. That is yeah. like the highlight of my class sometimes. Well, that's I just good like to, to stomp. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I'm I'm very I'm very happy happy that uh, you enjoy that, and uh, and I know Mama Brenda, she she began down in the class, and we just uh, we just started our hybrid classes last week. So now we're doing them online and in person where we can have a few people in the room and a few people in the Zoom and we get it in. So fantastic. And Brenda and I both take the grown and sexy classes. That's right. Grown and sexy tap class. (laughs) (laughs) We are grown. I don't know how sexy we look out there, but. Hey, hey, it's, it's all good. The object is, I used to, every time I would run into adults 
and tell them I was a tap dancer or they would see me at a show and they would always say, well, I, you know, I used to tap when I was a kid. And so I started off calling my classes never too old to start because people would say, well, you know what? I used to want to tap, but you know, now I, you know, it's too late now, you know, I, and so I started that. And then I would get adult beginners who was like, I want to start, but I don't want to be in a class with five-year-olds. Like, and especially right. if they're, especially if they better than me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we started never too old to start. And then we morphed that into grown and sexy. Cause it's just a time where you can be a beginner and learn about the art craft from the beginning. But you know, you get to be with, with, with folks around your age or, uh, or just other adults. And the music, I have to say, is a bit more mature. The music is wonderful. <laughs> music is wonderful. And guess what? If we don't like it, he'll change it. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, don't, but don't tell everybody that. They come to class. Okay, change that music. That. Change that music. Um, but yeah, so this is, yeah, this is me. I love it. So how far are you coming on this book, Brill? We are so interested. Brill is just a font of information. I have been telling about Brill about this book for ever. Okay. Forever. So I'm going to make an announcement here today that no one else knows about because Susan and Brenda won't leave me alone about it. So I feel like, like it's just like when people call me a hoofer, I say, nope because the hoofers were those men that, and men and women who created all this history. So I feel like I still have a lot of work to do. So the same thing when you all mentioned to me about a book, I still feel like I have so much more to do in the art form. However, I have been presented with the opportunity to publish my first piece of work and it is actually coming out in October of 2021. Now it's- Yay! It's not a full book. It's a chapter in a book about Chicago's dance history. But I'm thinking that chapter is going to set me into writing mode and set me into what it takes to start to write my story and put it in a book. So Fantastic. we own step one. <laughs> Thank you. Real, it's that you have so much knowledge that you need to share that knowledge with those of us who need the information. Yes, ma'am. I have learned more from this young man than I have learned about tap from anyone. And I've been tapping all my life. Wow. I'm 73. <laughs> I've learned more from this young man. And in, in fact, Brill, I mentioned when when we were on a Zoom about seniors tap, there wouldn't be a seniors tap if it wasn't for you. Really? Because <laughs> I saw, I was at your uh, Chicago, your tap thing, and I saw Ernest Brownie Brown. Uh-huh. And when I saw him, I said, hmm, that'd be a good class for, for seniors. R right after mm -hmm. that, Wow. Someone asked me, could I do anything with seniors? And seniors tap was formed. I see, I never knew that. And yes. yes. And I knew you even even before Mad Rhythms, because mm -hmm. if you'll remember, uh you were teaching for Mama Nadra before Jamani. Yep. Yep. When I was there. Yep. You know. So can I tell a story about this shirt? Yes, please. Okay, so. 
when Brill gave us these shirts, I have a Facebook page called Seniors Tap that I've hooked up with my class. So I started posting pictures of, of Quicksand and Jenny Lagan and, and stories about them on my Facebook page. And I told my class to pay attention. So after I posted all of the names and did the stories, for them to read, I wore my shirt to class. I said, okay, it's a test. <laughs> Who's on my shirt? <laughs> One of my ladies said, okay, Brenda, don't let Brill make you lose your class trying to test us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. She asked us trivial questions about him. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I love to hear. I can't wait for this book to come out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So now have you, what are your current directions for Mad Rhythms? I love that this book is coming out. Are well, you doing any, and I know COVID has been such a big impact on everybody, mm -hmm. but what is your current direction for plans? for Mad Rhythms? Well, I have to say, just in case you all didn't know, right now I am celebrating, if you heard me say I started the company in 2001. So we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. 20 yeah. years, <laughs> thank you, 20 <laughs> years. Um, and, but what, one of the things that has come out of that, um, but one of the things that has come out of that is just really the level of youth programming that we've done in this city, city and how many young people that we've you know, turned on to the art form and also led through. So this next 20 years is, is all about, and I, first and foremost, I do have to acknowledge, yeah, COVID, COVID really changed some things. COVID, you know, gave us <laughs> much love to you all too. <laughs> um, COVID really, um, like most of you all in March when COVID hit, we had to shut the studio down immediately. And, you know, Susan and, and Brenda know because all of a sudden there was no classes. Um, right. And even before we had to shut it down, the numbers had started dwindling because people were starting to get afraid. Uh, so people had started pulling their kids, they had stopped coming. Um, and so we shut the whole school down. And then so my top classes, my top company, um, my, my rehearsal space, all these things went away at once. And as a tap dancer who's found solace and, and sanity and inspiration and income through this art form, it all went away at one time. And it, man, it messed me up. It messed me up for, for a little while. So I kind of went into a mini depression and I didn't even know what it was. I just knew I didn't want to get off the couch. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to do nothing. And most people don't know this. So I'm sharing some things with you all that maybe everybody doesn't know. Cause most of the time you see me, I'm smiling. If I'm talking tap, I'm happy because I love it. But like anything, if you take that love away that can cause some, some trauma, so to speak. So um, after I got over that mini depression, one day I was sitting there and I said, so what you gonna do about it? To myself and so i started um i started researching grants and and just seeing what was possible 
And luckily, some friends of mine put on a tap festival that we used to go to physically every year. And they immediately, the COVID happened in March. By the end of March, they had put an online tap festival together. So we immediately had to switch and go from traveling to a place and being in a room with all these students to being on a Zoom or being or doing, you know. And so that first thing like shocked me into gear. And so from that on, we just started pushing everything virtual and trying to create virtual spaces that allow us to still practice this art form we love called tap dance. So with that being said, matter of fact, I just posted on my Instagram yesterday, my, my new virtual studio setup, um, which is, is kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Um, but um, you all, so for going forward, one, we decided that all classes from this point forward are going to be hybrid classes. Because the one good thing about virtual classes is people started taking classes with me from all over the world. Because now you didn't have to be in the room, you didn't have to be in the city or the state or the country. And so people started taking classes from all over the world. And so I was like, well, once we go back to in-person classes, I don't wanna lose that access to the world. So now we've got a big projector that projects the class onto the wall. So even when there's people in the room um, we've got the class on the wall and we're still doing it. So all of our classes going forward are hybrid classes. So you can be in class with people from all over the world without ever leaving Chicago. Um, and it also helps that sometimes you can come in person, but maybe next week you can't come in person, but you still want to be in class. It gives everybody a greater flexibility. So we're taking the lessons learned in 2020 and pushing them into 2021. So that's the biggest thing. All classes are hybrid. Um, we just promoted new, four new company members. So, and, oh, wow. and one of them is a kid who started out in, in our TAP Academy taking classes, graduated to our team program, our youth program that we used to do with ASM. And then he was an apprentice for the professional company and now he's in the professional company. So when I tell you, I'm so proud, you mentioned it earlier, but the novice to professional or the studio to stage pipeline, like, you know, a lot of times in, in researching the, the state of, of, of black youth and black people in this country, you hear about the, the, uh, the, the school to prison pipeline. So my goal was to create an alternative to that pipeline and we're going to do the studio, the stage pipeline. So if you continue to study tap, you can start with us and become a professional without ever leaving Bronzeville. Excellent. 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 Um, but he, he's not even the first. So now we're on like our second generation of, of kids that have come to us when they were like five, six, seven, eight years old. And now they're professional dancers with our company. So uh, when I was coming up, there wasn't a lot of Chicago tap dancers. You could count the professional tap dancers on one hand in this city and still have at least a thumb left over. Um, so my goal when I set out was to change that. And so now, 20 years later, you got to use both your hands and some of your toes to count the professional tap dancers in the city of Chicago. And I'm proud to say that a great deal of them have come from that rhythm. So I just want to keep being being that connection to the community and being that that entity or that institution that produces professional tap dancers who keep the level and the respect of the art form at a very you know high grade. Excellent, excellent. I know when we are, because I've always been a fan of tap 
and with my daughters who aren't in it so much now, but we would go all over and everybody knows Brill. <laughs> everybody knows Brill. Everybody has heard of Mad Rhythms and very highly respected and well-known. Thank you so much. Does anyone have any questions? Oh, I see Susan. She's wondering if you have, if you can bring the program to Leo. Now you may be able to bring Leo students to Mad Rhythms. Yeah, well, and, and that's it, which is funny because right now the Leo Men's Choir already has some kind of partnership with the Harold Washington Culture Center. I see the Leo men, Young Men's Choir there all the time. So right now the goal, yeah, the goal is we built up a really state-of-the-art dance studio. We got new filtration systems. We just got the entire HVAC system overhauled. That's for you, Susan and Brenda. Um, Thank you. Uh, we got new filtration systems in all the rooms. Um, we do our socially distance. We got sanitizers, temperature checkers. Like we got the full dig. So we feel real comfortable with bringing people to us so we can vet them. <laughs> all right. That, yeah, that's Leo, great Leo. to hear. Yeah. I am due to start next week. Okay. So okay. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, My tap shoes, I was looking for them the other day. I have a couple pair, y'all. But I was looking for my new shoes that I only wore once, still in the car because, you know, COVID interrupted us so abruptly. But I have mm -hmm. been practicing. <laughs> and that's and I'm anxious to get back. Come that's on. That's what we're doing. Um, also, but now I've always wanted to do it. So now I get to shop now. I buy tap shoes. Any recommendations on what brand? I'd I, I love for y'all to come. And I will say brand is not important as much as style of shoe is important. Okay. So for, for all my adults, you just want a hard sole Oxford, um, a hard sole Oxford. Because trust me, when you go to the, uh, when you go to any shoe stores, shoe supply stores, they're going to try to send you the little cute baby doll, patent leather, Shirley Temple looking shoe. And that is really cute and good for five-year-olds to eight-year-olds. If you are older than that, you need a real shoe. <laughs> the real shoes, can I still get those in patent leather? Because that's my signature. Actually, yeah, they do. They okay. do. I, I've got a pair of patent leather white tap shoes. So, you know, we ain't playing. Um, but yeah, but hard-soled Oxford because sometimes they have this thing called a split sole tap shoe and you don't want that. That was kind of a shoe created by, for like Broadway people who do everything. And it's a jazz shoe with tap shoes with taps on it, but it doesn't protect your feet at all. So hard sold Oxford will provide protection. Great. Great. Yep. 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 So well, I, since you said that, how many pairs of tap shoes do you have? How many do I have? I only have five pairs. Well, see, you asking personal questions. No, no. <laughs> I, I only have about eight or nine pair because I, I keep giving them away. Like, these are my newest babies. Oh, those are oh, nice. wow. I love the color my, scheme for the month. Yeah, you know, that's my red, black, and green. So I'm representing my culture. I love um, it. And it's then these really are my tap nice. boots. Yeah, so these are my newest babies. I've been breaking them in. I love these. Yes, <laughs> but you know, nice. I, it, you know, when you're ready to pay five hundred dollars for a pair of tap shoes, let me know, and I'll put you on them. I got, I got a guy. I got a guy. Yeah. Right. Brill, what is your uh, website so that I can put it in the chat? Uh, the website is madrhythms.com. Very easy to remember. Mad okay, I got it. Um, 
And and the first thing you see when you hit the home page is a little hand with a coin in it that says donate to our nonprofit. So it's fantastic. If you're interested in helping us continue any of the work we do, uh, and I will tell y'all, for 2020, we're trying to raise 200000 That's our goal this year. So we're about to mount a huge fundraising campaign. Um, and so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. But also, our class list is there. Um, uh, our schedule is there. Our, our tap jams, like anything you want to know about us, it's a one-stop shop. If you want more information about our 501c3 nonprofit, all those details are listed there. Members information about the company, all that's there. So yeah, it's a one-stop shop. And uh, and even right. we, we designed it ourselves. So, you know, we're getting good at things in 2020. Oh, I know. I know. Well, I'm learning so many new things about Zoom myself. Oh, yeah. I watched now, National, National Tap Dance Day is uh -huh. May 25th. That's right. And we're going to produce an event that'll be virtual. It'll be hybrid, virtual, and in person. Great. And Mad Rhythms has a YouTube channel. Yep. So and everybody can go on to YouTube and subscribe right. to we Mad just, Rhythms. We just hit 1,000 followers. So come on, y'all. Now it's time to go for 1,500. Oh, yeah. Now, here's some trivia you might not know. Did y'all know Michael Jackson was a, knew how to tap dance, too? I believe it. I, yeah, believe. I believe it. Michael no. Jackson learned from the Nicholas Brothers. Okay. And at one time, the Nicholas Brothers right. scored with, with the Jackson Five. Oh, wow. And Michael Jackson's chimpanzee Bubbles is named after a famous tap dancer named John Bubbles, who used to be a part of a vaudeville duo called Buck and Bubbles. See how that history mm. connects? Mm. Yeah. And I try to teach the way I would love to be taught. Yep. That's the best way to teach. <laughs> so I try to have fun. I try to stay. Y'all know, and, and Susan and Brenda tell you, I, I have, I think I have more fun than they do. I get excited in class. We all get excited in that class. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a fun class. I'm excited. I haven't even taken it. It's really a fun class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you'll see, uh, uh, and you see the way I talk here, I talk this much in class because I, I, I love it. So you ain't never got to worry about the awkward silence. <laughs> it's comfortable, and that's what people need. You know, Thank wait you. back, comfortable, mm -hmm. and fun. Well, bro, I know we're coming to the end of our time. I, I could talk to you for another hour, believe me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more information on our website, www.benedictthefrican.org.